I'm already exhausted and we're only halfway through primary day in the SEC. Welcome. Uh, Texas has their runoffs today. Arkansas, Alabama, and uh, Georgia have their primaries today. All eyes focused on Georgia. Let me just explain to you how big the media attention is on Georgia. I started my morning trying to sleep in a little bit and got woken up. Um, I have talked to the London Telegraph, the UK, the London Guardian, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Um, who else have I talked to? Politico, Miami Herald, ABC, CNN, NBC, Fox News, the Los Angeles Times, USA Today, all of them before 10 a.m. I'll be on CNN at 3 p.m. Eastern today talking about the Georgia election. I'll be on Fox News tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Then I'll be on uh, Newsmax, News Nation, CNN, more Fox. Uh, it's going to be a busy, crazy, insane 48 hours. It's a big deal, uh, all eyes on these elections. Now, I want to I, I want to deal generally with them. I, I'm mindful most of my affiliates are in Georgia taking this live. Um, and polls close in Georgia at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can vote. Uh, you can show up at 7 p.m. As long as you're in line at 7 p.m., you can still vote. The Texas runoff is interesting because you got George P. Bush versus Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton is indicted by the federal government, uh, could be carted off to jail here in the future. And yet uh, Texas Republicans are hesitant to embrace George P. Bush against him. The polling there is kind of neck and neck. It's it's very interesting. We'll see. Sarah Sanders, Mike Huckabee's daughter, is expected to win the Republican gubernatorial primary in Arkansas. Uh, I'm not sure about the Arkansas Senate race there. And then in Alabama, Kay Ivey is going to undoubtedly win re-election. Uh, or at least win the primary. Uh, what's so interesting in, in uh, Alabama is there is a primary for the Senate there. Katie Britt versus Mo Brooks. Looks like will be a runoff. Uh, Trump had endorsed Mo Brooks and then abandoned him and sided with Kay, Katie Britt. Katie Britt's a terrible candidate. She's a Chamber of Commerce Republican. She is in uh, not in any way, shape, or form supportive of Donald Trump's agenda. Uh, but he endorsed her because of her connections within the establishment. And now Mo Brooks has given her a run for her money and probably going to get into a runoff with her. Mo Brooks would be way better than her. He would actually be a conservative fighter in the Senate, unlike her. She'll go along to get along. But then there is Georgia. And all the national eyes are in Georgia. Last night, David Perdue poured gasoline on himself and struck a match. He launched into a rather racist attack on Stacey Abrams, essentially calling her a race traitor to the black race. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know. But I think when you're a, a man who lives in a gated neighborhood of a gated neighborhood on a private island, maybe you don't need to suggests that a, a black woman is undermining black people in the state of Georgia. I mean, listen, I'm totally fine commenting across races on issues, but I'm just not sure that David Perdue needed to end his campaign with a faux pas about uh, Stacey Abrams betraying black people in Georgia. 
Um, you know, it's one thing for white people to believe this sort of stuff, but you do need to understand how kind of tone deaf it sounds, particularly when you live. I mean, literally lives at he, the Sea Island is the cloisters. It's a private gated island in South Georgia, and he lives in a gated community into that gated community. I mean, why do you live? Why do you have a gated community inside of a gated community? It's like the super rich needing to tell the really rich. Yeah, ain't us. <laughs> Comment on this. Come on. It was a, it was a dumb thing. And now of course, David Perdue is suggesting that when he loses today, it'll be voter fraud. This is kind of sad. Kind of, kind of sad. Uh, let, let me just give you the nutshell here before we get into the specifics for what's going to happen down in Georgia. We're all nationalized. And my gosh, do I know the nationalizer there because I've been talking to reporters all over the world today. Uh, yesterday, I talked to an Australian and a Swedish reporter. That's how big they're treating the Georgia primary, and they shouldn't. Because I, I want to give you a dirty little secret. I want to give you... A little hint of something. Lean in close. We don't want to say it too loud. Just listen. It may shock some of you. It is not about Trump. It's not. It's not. The international press wants to make it about Donald Trump. Donald Trump should have never gotten into all the endorsements he got into in Georgia, but it's not about him. It's not about Trump. Incumbency matters. Let's take Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker, uh, Latham Sadler, according to Landmark Communications Poll, has moved into second place. But Herschel is still outside runoff territory. He's around 60%. Um, I would love to see Latham Sadler get into a runoff with, with Herschel Walker. I think it'd be a compelling biography. It'd get him some attention. Uh, maybe he could win a runoff. But Herschel is quite popular, not because Donald Trump endorsed him, but because he's Herschel freaking Walker. Herschel Walker, Donald Trump convinced him to run in Georgia. But Herschel Walker is a known commodity in Georgia, even without Donald Trump. He's made endorsements for years in political races. Even as he's lived in Texas, he has weighed in on Georgia politics. He's a hero if you went to the University of Georgia, where a lot of Georgians did, and even those who didn't tend to be Georgia fans, unless they're at Georgia Tech or Auburn. God help those people. He's, he's a known commodity. Donald Trump induced him to run, but he didn't need Trump to run, and Herschel Walker's going to win, and he would win even without Donald Trump's endorsement. Then there's the the, the race, Brian Kemp versus David Perdue versus uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. And David Perdue is floundering. His campaign is terrible. And, you know, I got to say, I know several of the people who are helping David Perdue, and they're good people which suggests to me it's the candidate, not them. It's a replay of what happened with John Ossoff, where he just gave up at the end of the race. He went through the motions. He, he dabbled in the efforts. He was attacking uh, NBC for their report that Trump was distancing himself from the campaign. Trump has distanced himself from the campaign, whether you want to admit it or not. 
He's essentially undergone the pro forma obligations of I made this endorsement. Let me check some boxes so it looks like I'm still engaged, even though I'm not. Kemp is probably going to win without a runoff. More likely than not, Brian Kemp is going to win. The Real Clear Politics polling average has uh, has Brian Kemp well above 50%. Now, you should note full disclosure there. The um, state-level polling, outside of presidential polling, state-level polling is not as good. So there could be something there. But the closeout Trafalgar Group poll has Brian Kemp at 52%, David Perdue at 38%, Candace Taylor at 5%. That mirrors almost the Fox 5 Insider Advantage poll that has Kemp at 52%, Perdue at 38%. And then the Landmark Communication poll has Kemp at 60%, Perdue at 30%. Also, you should know that the, um, the Trafalgar Group has... Uh, Walker at 68% and Latham Sadler and Gary Black tied at 4%. It is remarkable how badly David Perdue ultimately has done in this race. The final closeout Real Clear Politics average poll has Kemp at 54, Perdue at 35. Early voting apparently has gone overwhelmingly for Kemp. It's not about Trump, though. See, in 2018, it was about Trump. In 2018, nobody knew Brian Kemp. He was the Secretary of State, but he wasn't really known. I mean, on the ballot, the Secretary of State is below the, the federal statewide races. And then it's like the third down for you got governor, and then you got lieutenant governor, and then you got Secretary of State. So it wasn't really, he, it wasn't a known, it wasn't really a known guy. And he got Donald Trump's endorsement that locked him in in the Republican primary. And then that hurt him in the general election. See, there are a lot of white suburban voters who don't like Stacey Abrams. Or rather, don't like uh, Donald Trump. And so they voted for Stacey Abrams. They didn't trust him. And so they didn't trust Kemp because they didn't know him. What they knew is that Donald Trump liked him. And you see, this is the dirty little secret of the polling. 10 to 13% of voters are going to vote for you because Donald Trump endorsed you. But 10 to 13% of voters are going to vote against you because Donald Trump endorsed you. So it's a it's a wash. Maybe a plus 3%. Maybe. It's a wash. Then the reality is that now the voters know Brian Kemp. And I want to be painfully honest with you here. And I know it's going to get me attacked for telling you the truth, telling you something you're not going to want to hear, some of you. But they're not going to vote for Stacey Abrams. It has nothing to do with her race. It has everything to do with she is a single progressive female who never got above an uncontested state house race in Georgia. And she laments that Georgia is the worst state to live in. She is the black Beto O'Rourke. All the white progressives who loved Beto O'Rourke when he ran against Ted Cruz love Stacey Abrams now.
I mean, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, she's, she's the black metal O'Rourke. She will win the magazine cover war and lose the election. The coastal white elite who keep black kids out of their private schools will fund her campaign for Georgia, patting themselves on their back that they're not racist while they go to their all white country clubs like Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Delaware or Rhode Island, rather. But she won't win. The media is going to turn her. I mean, they've already turned her into the president of United Earth, for God's sakes. They will try to turn her into governor of Georgia, but it won't work. And Brian Kemp will probably win without a runoff today. Not because it's a rejection by Republicans of Donald Trump, but because they know Brian Kemp. They know his record. He's run on his record. David Perdue has run on Stop the Steal. Brian Kemp has run on his record and what he's going to do in the future. The voters know him. They know his record, and they're going to vote for him, not for David Perdue. The media will call it a rejection of Donald Trump. It's not a rejection of Donald Trump. It's an embrace of the guy they know well, Brian Kemp. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, You can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA. My apologies. I must correct the record. David Perdue did live in the private gated community on the private gated community on the private island. Uh, But some dude, I forgot the story, came last year. They just renovated their house and offered him cash for his house. And they were going to build a new house anyway. So now they live in a different gated community. Again, though. I'm just not sure you need to be commenting on Stacey Abrams' uh, views of Stacey Abrams in the black community, uh, it, it, particularly at the end of your campaign. Uh, what are you going to do to 
uh, rehabilitate your um, reputation. After. I, I don't know that he cares, and I've always liked him. Um, I didn't support him in 2014 because I, I my friend Karen Handel was in the race, and Jack Kingston was a friend as well. And I didn't know Purdue, and typically CEOs don't make good senators. They kind of do whatever Mitch McConnell wants. And then he came in, and he he thought for himself. He was a good dude. He he was an independent thinker. He cared greatly about the deficit, debt, and spending. He fought against big spending bills. I thought he was great. Was glad to support him in 2020. Really glad to support him. Had him on the show all the time. Uh, defended him when he was attacked. I thought wrongly um, uh, about a lot, a lot of the the um, it's supposed insider trading and stuff. Um, and then he did this. It was just honestly, it's it's I feel, I'm embarrassed for him. The Kemp campaign played this so well. I mean, for those of you who don't understand. Um, David Perdue jumped into the race for governor because Stacey Abrams announced, and he admitted he was doing it when he did it because Stacey Abrams announced. But he did it so early, it allowed Brian Kemp to rearrange his entire election agenda for the state legislature to go big for big conservative wins, and he rallied the state legislature for him in a way where they couldn't walk away from him in doing the, these these policy agendas from transgender sports bans to more school choice for families to uh, uh, constitutional carry to mental health reform, all sorts of things. And Abrams is attacking him on mental health. He actually reformed it. It, it was just striking to me that they were able to get something like this done and then Abrams, of course, attacks and Purdue attacks and Kemp's got the votes. Had Purdue waited until qualifying in Georgia, which would have been, I think, in March and just said nothing. He could have pounced without Kemp having time to rearrange his agenda. It was a strategic mistake. Now, I don't think Purdue was ever going to beat Kemp, but that would have given him at least a fighting chance that he'd done it. It, it was foolish to do. And again, as I mentioned yesterday, it's notable that Purdue entered the race leaking an internal poll showing that he would beat Kemp. And every poll thereafter has shown him losing to Kemp. The closeout polling, Real Clear Politics average, has Kemp between 40, uh, 54 and 55 percent. 60 percent is where he is in uh, a lot of the, the private polling, we'll see what it does today. You got the early voting issue. A lot of votes have already been banked in, and they were overwhelmingly for Kemp. Uh, I don't think it'll be a late night in Georgia when it comes to the Herschel Walker or the Brian Kemp race. Or frankly, even on the Democratic side, you got Stacey Abrams is uncontested. Raphael Warnock has a contender who's really a, a nothing burger. Um, I don't see that it's going to be a long night. Normally in Georgia, you wait until Fulton County and you got to say that they take all night. Fulton County is a deeply screwed up county when it comes to voting. It always has been. And you wait all night. That's the Atlanta area. And I don't think we're going to be waiting for the race to be called that late. I think it'll be an early night. Good. Cause I got to be on TV really early in the morning. So I got to get to bed at some point tonight. It's going to be a good night for Kemp. I think, I don't think there'll be a runoff. People are going to be really stunned if there is a runoff. I just don't think there will be. Even the Purdue campaign, while they say they expect him to be in a runoff, I don't think they act like they think there's going to be a runoff. Now, when we come back, we got to get on to other stuff. I do want to spend a little bit on the impact of Donald Trump and the endorsements. I, I don't 
actually think it's a big deal. But also, Mike Pence was in Georgia for Brian Kemp yesterday. One very notable, well, two very noble things. One, he never even mentioned David Perdue. Never acted like there was even a primary. He focused on Stacey Abrams. But then he did something else I want to tell you about. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on this year program. Now, I know it does me no good. I know the way some people operate around here. I know they do not care. It doesn't matter how much I say it. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to, well, they have their own view of things. Let's just put it this way. In 2016, I didn't support Donald Trump. Doesn't matter how much I've supported him in the future. There is a base of his supporters that will say till my dying breath, I'm never Trump. If I disagree with him on anything, well, you're just never Trump. You have Trump derangement syndrome. You know, it is possible to view the world through a principled lens where you can arrive at um, agreement or disagreement with a politician without it all being viewed through the frame of them. But I realize that people are stupid, and there are some very stupid people who are in a cult of personality. And if you have any disagreement, you must absolutely loathe the guy. I, I don't particularly care for him personally, some of his antics, but I was a very big fan of his administration, and so I chose to support him in 2020. Had his family on the show all the time. Went out with Mike Pence, did a few events. In fact, I was with Mike Pence yesterday. I thought it was very notable. He has chosen to break with Donald Trump, and suddenly he's being attacked as never Trump. Donald Trump's vice president is being attacked as never Trump. It shows you how stupid some people are. He actually, last night, talked about the Trump record and defended the Trump record. He's one of the most articulate defenders of Donald Trump's record and talked about how good we had it when Donald Trump was president. The very reason I chose to vote for him in 2020. But some people can't let it go. But you know who else can't let it go? Members of the media who are obsessed with making everything about Donald Trump. Let's be really bluntly honest here. Television and radio ratings went gangbusters when Donald Trump was president of the United States. They went gangbusters because Donald Trump knew how to generate ratings. It was one of Donald Trump's superpowers. He, he had two superpowers in particular. One was all the people who hated Donald Trump, Donald Trump was somehow able to get them to behave exactly in the ways they claimed Donald Trump behaved. The other, until COVID proved to be his kryptonite, was that Donald Trump, with 240 characters on Twitter, could completely reshape the news cycle. It was one of the most fascinating aspects of the Trump presidency 
where it made for great radio, if I'm honest, because I get bored with topics. You talk about them too much, you get bored with them. And here comes Donald Trump. You could be talking about uh, North Korea on a Monday. And by Wednesday, you're talking about his latest tweet, Kofifi, and the interpretation of Kofifi. It it was remarkable. And the media loved it. They had a love-hate relationship with Donald Trump. They loved to hate him. He was their villain. And they gave him prime coverage constantly. And so they view all of the elections this year through the framing of Donald Trump. They view all the elections this year through, uh, we're going to stick it to Donald Trump. This election today in Georgia, just like the others, they really don't have a lot to do with Donald Trump. They have a lot more to do with the candidates themselves. And frankly, I think it does a disservice to the candidates that they're making it all about Donald Trump. Now, there are some candidates. So there's a guy in Georgia, Patrick Witt. None of you have ever heard of Patrick Witt. Patrick Witt is running for insurance commissioner of the state of Georgia. He's endorsed by Donald Trump. He's running against a brigadier general who was also a police chief who was fired for being a police chief by the city of Doraville, Georgia, because he was called up to go to Iraq as a brigadier general in the National Guard. He was on uh, Hannity. He was on CNN. Uh, He became uh, mildly famous at the time because the city council found out he had been called up to Iraq. He was the police chief, and they fired him. He was rehired the next day by the mayor. And he went around the country for Donald Trump, setting up uh, COVID temporary hospitals in New Jersey, New Orleans, the Navajo Reservation, um, to help with COVID. And he also managed the insurance commission in Georgia. He was appointed by Brian Kemp, and that's why Trump chose to endorse someone else, because he was appointed by Brian Kemp. He was appointed by Brian Kemp because the then elected insurance commissioner was carted off to jail. He was indicted and found guilty and carted off to jail. And uh, King came in on the interim basis prior to the trial to clean up the office. The the, uh, former insurance commissioner, there's another insurance commissioner who has also been indicted and will probably maybe be carted off to jail, depending on that trial. Um, And so King came in. He revitalized the office. He increased the retention rate. He increased the efficiencies. Was not an insurance guy. He was a law enforcement guy. He actually told me the story that Kemp called him and wanted him in the job. And he says, I don't know anything about insurance. And Kemp says, well, you know the law. The insurance commissioners keep getting guarded off to jail. And he's fixed the office. He's done a great job. But he's being challenged by a guy no one's ever heard of because King did not take on Stop the Steal. And honestly, Donald Trump doesn't really know the guy that much who he endorsed, but the guy's got consultants who are going to make a lot of money who are in Donald Trump's circle. If anything, part of the story here is how Donald Trump has yet again been taken advantage of by people close to him who are cashing in on his name to make a mint. And Donald Trump's win-loss record is going to be hurt in the process. There's no, no business opposing John King. He's a good dude. And he's great at his job. He really is. He went in not knowing a lot about what insurance commissioner's work was, and he's revitalized the office. He saved the office. He's brought out a scandal. 
He's brought hope back to its employees. They've got renewed enthusiasm, and they're cracking down on insurance companies uh, and, and taking on insurance fraud in the state. <clears throat> or there's Chris Carr. Chris Carr is the attorney general in Georgia. He is the man who has fought the environmental regulations. He's rallied the state attorneys general across the nation to fight the mask mandate and environmental regulations. He's been largely successful. He's a Donald Trump supporter, but Donald Trump says he didn't join Stop the Steal, so he had to be challenged by a man who gave up his law license, who in our, arguably is not even uh, meets the state qualifications under the Constitution to be attorney general, but no one's challenged him yet. It made no sense. Now, I, I focus here on Georgia because you've got to have a sense of it, as all the national media is watching Georgia, that it's it, the incumbents matter way more than Donald Trump. The people know the incumbents. They know John King. They know Chris Carr. They, they know Brian Kemp. Uh, one of the only races where Donald Trump is going to get, get a win outright is Lieutenant Governor's race, Burt Jones, who's a good guy. I voted for Butch Miller because I know Butch better, like Butch. He's the Senate president pro tem, but Burt may win outright. And he's got a lot of money. He's got more money than anyone else in the race. His family's very wealthy, so he can spend the money. So, but even with Burt, conservative groups, socially conservative groups, came out and supported him. They feel like he's had their back more than Butch Miller has in the state Senate. And so they're back in Burt Jones. He could probably win even without Donald Trump's endorsement, but he will be the one Donald Trump endorsed candidate in Georgia to probably win without a runoff other than Herschel Walker. And Herschel Walker doesn't really count because he's Herschel Walker. And so I, I say all of this and I phrase it this way because at the end of the day, Trump doesn't really matter in Georgia one way or the other. I know he wants to matter. But I know the media wants him to matter even more. And people who hate him will laugh, scoff, and mock that, oh, he's got a black eye. Look at all the losses he got in Georgia. Georgia rejected him. When really what Georgia did is they made up their own minds, and there's nothing wrong with that. They thought for themselves. Multiple candidates have now told me they see this recurring pattern in their polling that 10 to 13 percent of voters will vote for a candidate because Donald Trump has endorsed them and 10 to 13 percent of voters will vote against a candidate because Donald Trump has endorsed them. So 10 to 13 percent will vote for a candidate because of Trump's endorsement. 10 to 13 will vote against that candidate because of Donald Trump's endorsement. That sort of stuff matters. It neutralizes the vote. And it allows everyone else to make up their own mind. But tomorrow, the headlines, listen, I'm on Fox News, News Nation, Newsmax, CNN, all tomorrow. And it's all going to be about Trump's endorsements and Donald Trump and Trump, 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 Trump. And it really doesn't have anything to do with it. And I'm going to have to explain in all of these, all of these conversations, it really didn't have a lot to do with Donald Trump. The incumbency mattered more than President Trump. Voters knew their governor. For four years, Brian Kemp has been the man to go down to South Georgia with his own chainsaw and cut down limbs after hurricanes and help farmers clean up their land. He's been the man who's gone into churches and cried with parents during tragedy. He's been the man who left churches open during COVID when other governors were shutting them down. He's been the man who reopened the state of Georgia 
when other states stayed shut down and he got attacked by Donald Trump for doing it. He's been the man who forced state agencies when he came in to start cutting, saying a recession has got to be coming. The good times are coming to an end. Save money. And the recession didn't come, but COVID did. And the state agencies were put in a financial position where now they could give a lot of money back and they've got a budget surplus and they can start spending again. And teachers have gotten pay raises. And he's run on that record. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Now, you got this bus tour going around the state of Georgia. The lounge lizard of truth. And all of the Trump-backed candidates are on a bus tour of a, a largely unknown talk radio show host from Virginia. They're not drawing crowds. They're drawing grift. And they've believed their own hype. They have the same people show up at all their events. Like, well, we've, we've got something here. We've got something here. No, you, you don't. you got crazy town on a bus. You've got grifters and hucksters and frauds. And you are profiting off Donald Trump's name, and you're going to hurt the man because you've run feckless, terrible campaigns. You focused on the past, not the future. And it's all going to come crashing down around you while these incumbents get reelected because they're known by the voters. It doesn't matter where you go, Alaska, California, Florida, Georgia, Maine, Puerto Rico, Hawaii, incumbency matters more than endorsements. And if the voters know the incumbent and they like them, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ himself could show up and say, don't vote for that guy, I don't like him. And they're probably going to vote for the incumbent if they like him. Incumbency matters more than Trump. And the media is going to make it all about Trump. And the reality is it's all about incumbency and the record of the incumbents. Now, I want to talk to you about a different record, the record of an air purifier that can clean the room and get rid of odors. It doesn't mask the odors. It eliminates the odors. I keep one. You can hold them in your hand. And I keep one in my suitcase. In fact, I'm in a brand new hotel. I've never stayed at this hotel. i got to be here for a couple of days in Atlanta with all the election stuff. Stayed at this hotel. And I brought my Eden Pure because it's new construction hotel. And I was afraid of the paint smell. Luckily, the hotel room is fine. But I knew it would eliminate the odors if I needed it. I plugged it into a cigar where someone had smoked a cigar. And it eliminated the odors in the car. It works. You can get three of them for less than $200. You save $200 and you get free shipping. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You will save $200, get them for less than $200, and you'll get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code is ERIC3. I have tickets to Judah and the Lion when they come to Atlanta. I'm looking forward to going to them. This is them, their music. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are in the nation. If you want to grow, reach out to them. $750,000 loans and higher, they can help you. Where banks are saying no, they're saying yes. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Well, we're going to get away from politics here now like this because um, there's a story, Snap Plunges. And there goes social media's online ad biz. I'm actually – so 
I know some of the executives at some of these social media companies. Just given what I do for a living, I've got to know. Well, one of them has, has got to be somewhat of a friend. And they all cringe and really despise it when I say, uh, we, you and I, we are the product. We're not the customers. We get to use the app for free because they monetize our data and the advertisers are their customers. The advertisers buy us from the social media companies. But the most dominant uh, device manufacturer on the planet is a company you might have heard of called Apple. And Apple now aggressively blocks the ability of these social media companies to follow you around the internet. And as a result, their advertising revenue is dropping. Their ability to target uh, people is dropping. Investors know, this is from the Wall Street Journal, uh, knew that the world wasn't clicking for online advertisers right now. In a snap on Monday night, they grasped how dire the situation might be. Nearly every major player in the sector reported a notable slowdown in advertising revenue growth during the recent first quarter earnings season. All but one actually missed Walmart's targets. Then, in a surprise announcement, Snap, the parent company of Snapchat, said in a filing Monday afternoon that revenue and adjusted pre-tax earnings for the second quarter will come in below the range the company projected barely a month ago. Snap's online ad business is a fraction of the size of Google's, Facebook's, or Amazon's. Still, it was an ominous note to sound barely halfway through the second quarter from a company that has never issued a revenue warning before. During a presentation at an investment conference that precipitated the filing, SNAP Chief Executive Officer Evan Spiegel said the macroeconomic environment has definitely deteriorated further and faster than we expected. He also noted the company would be taking steps like changing some of the pacing of hiring. In an email to employees the same day shared by sources, Spiegel added that managers of the company have been asked to review spending to find additional cost savings. Their shares fell 30% after hours on Monday. Uh, They're down now this morning 41%. Oh, oh, that's bad. Facebook sank 7%. Pinterest fell 12%. Google fell 6.4%. Twitter took a small hit. Amazon, which only recently began disclosing its online ad business, saw its share slip by 2%. They're not making money on ads, but here's the thing. It's not just the Apple privacy policies, although that's a lot of it to blame. It's businesses are starting to cut back on ads, which is a warning sign that despite the Democrats saying their recession is not forthcoming, they're forthcoming. Snap peaked at $83 last year. It's now selling for $13 on the stock market. The bubble is beginning to burst for the tech stocks. The problem is all these tech stocks are woven into the home industry now as well, and that's going to cause cascading problems.